You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Two hours to the weekend, whatever it is that you've got planned for this weekend, I hope that it's exactly what you need and it gives you joy and laughter and fun with friends and family, whether it's Halloween activities. I'm actually going to see a concert with the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra and they're playing Jaws. It's this really unique setup. I love it with the NJSO, and they play in Newark, but they play in other places around the state. And I've had these tickets since May. I've never seen Jaws. First time ever. Never seen Jaws. They're going to play it on the big screen. At, at, and at this arena, they have incredible acoustics. So they play it on a big screen, and then they play the music live underneath it. So the audio or the music is turned off. The score is turned off. You obviously can hear the dialogue. Um, but it's it was such a cool experience when I did it with Return of the Jedi in early 2020. And I've never seen Jaws. It seems perfect for Halloween. Uh, I don't know if I'll be scared. Maybe I will. <laughs> but it's going to be an epic weekend for me. And I um, can't wait for that. Uh, plus some other fun fall activities planned. So I hope that you also have a great weekend. But don't check out yet because we've got two hours to go on what is now a football Friday morning. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. Thursday morning, former Giants and Browns offensive lineman Sean O'Hara, Super Bowl champion Sean O'Hara, NFL Network analyst Sean O'Hara was up for Good Morning Football. Now he's with us early in the morning, and we're so pleased to have him, especially with the Giants sitting on a 6-1 and one record, tied with the Eagles for the most wins in the NFL. Sean, it's been so long for this organization, for this Giants fan base. What's it been like for you as a former Giant, but also someone who lives in the New York City area and understands how important Giants football is to so many people? Yeah, Amy, I mean, listen, Giants fans have been through the ringer. You know, last couple of years, I feel like I've been, you know, part analyst, part uh, shrink, you know, and, and kind of, you know, easing Giants fans off the ledge. And every single time I'd go to an event or, you know, I do the post-game shows for the Giants as well, and it's like, man, Giants fans, it's not just that their team was losing. The, the team at one point last year became dysfunctional and embarrassing and, you know, that, like, does not fly in New York. And, you know, New Yorkers, they, they want the best of the best. You know, nobody ever says, hey, wh- you know, where can I get a decent slice? Or, you know, where can I get a, a decent Italian sub? Like, they want the best, and um, they demand that out of their sports. And so this has been a phenomenal season. I think everybody was looking for progress for with, you know, Brian Dable and Joe Shane in this new era. Um, but the way that these guys are finding ways to win games in the fourth quarter, it's, you know, it's what the NFL is all about right now. This is kind of how, this is kind of the way the league is. I, I think Giants fans are just so ecstatic right now that they have a legitimate team. They've got guys that are, that are playing tough. Um, they kind of represent the core of Giants fans, the blue collar lunch bucket guys, you know, the union laborers, the guys that just kind of show up and grind it out every single day. Uh, So I think there's been an immediate attachment to this team. 
when you talk about that, I hear identity, right? And every team needs an identity, needs to understand who they are. How are you seeing that reflected on the field with these Giants? Yeah, I mean, you hear coaches talk all, all the time about, you know, our identity and establish, you know, what we want to be. Um, you know, it's funny because when Brian Dable was hired, it was, you know, Dable's going to come in and fix Daniel Jones, and that was the focus, was the passing game. And, how you know, can Daniel Jones grow into what Josh Allen has grown into for them up in Buffalo? And the byproduct of that has been fixing Saquon Barkley. And, and I think that's, you know, the Giants – organization has always been you know a great defense you know all the championship teams are built on great defense and the ability to run the football when you're in the nfc east you better you better be able to close games out in november and december with a ground game you know any quarterback that's throwing a ball in metlife stadium will tell you that that wind is tough it's gusty it's not consistent it swirls um and you know fall ball and winter ball you know you've got to be able to do it so Saquon has been, you know, everybody has seen the the improvement from him as a runner. Obviously, he's healthier now than he's ever been, which is good. Um, they're, they're actually blocking people up front, so he's not dealing with unblocked offenders in the backfield. You don't see the negative runs that we've seen the last couple of years from this offense. Um, but they've also just they're taking care of the football. And I think those are, you know, that's the formula for success. The players have all bought into it. Um, and I think the identity of this team is they're going to get the game into the fourth quarter, and they're going to they're going to make plays. They're like they're a smart football team. They understand how to win games at the end. You know, I, my saying is, you, you can't win a game in the first three quarters, but you can sure as hell lose it in the first three quarters. So, get the game in the fourth quarter and find a way to win. And they're doing just that. And they lead the league now with four fourth-quarter comebacks. And as you point out, not turning the ball over in those critical moments late has been huge. I don't love it when the quarterback is the leading rusher. And so just for that reason, it's so great to have the compliment and the, the runner in Saquon Barkley who can take some of that load off of Daniel Jones. Yeah, they've been the ultimate one-two punch. And, you know, look, Saquon's banged up. You know, he hurt his shoulder in the London game and – um you know, he's kind of been battling through that, so I think that's why you've kind of seen Daniel Jones take on a little bit more and kind of shoulder the load, if you will, of the run game. You know, the interesting thing with Daniel Jones is it's taken Brian Dable and, and Mike Kafka to really bring about his best attributes. And, you know, he's not just a scrambling quarterback. And, and I think, you know, if you've got a quarterback that's leading your team in rushing and it's because he's scrambling, you know, I feel like Justin Fields is scrambling right now. Um, these are design runs. This is we're using Daniel Jones as a weapon. His legs are a weapon. He's a legitimate runner. Um, and you know, I think the only question mark you really have as a coach and as a Giants fan is, is it sustainable? You know, DJ has really not played 16 games in his entire career. So, can he hold up on that? Um, I think he's been smart with it too. Even the designed runs, you see him sliding a lot. He's not taking the hits. So. Um, he's playing. He's playing smart football, but they no doubt have impacted each other. They've helped each other out, um, and I think when you just kind of look at what that's done to the rest of the team, you know, you've got some receivers that are willing to block. Um, you know, the offensive line has been has been much better at the point of attack. Evan Neal was a big part of that. So uh, they lost two guys in the Jacksonville game. Ben, ben Bredesen, the left guard, went down, and Evan Neal, the right tackle, went down. So um, they're kind of facing a little battle of attrition right now. Uh, good news is Nick Gates just got activated, um, and so did Matt Parrott. So uh, they've got a little bit of uh, the cavalry kind of coming back for reinforcements, but uh, this will be a, a big stretch right here. 
obviously with Seattle, and then they've got the bye week, so hopefully they can get some of those guys back. Always a good opportunity to catch up with Sean O'Hara when we have it. He's a Super Bowl champion, former Pro Bowl offensive lineman, and with us here after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, You mentioned offensive lines, and there are some that we can see around the league that are struggling. Um, I always enjoy asking this of guys who played on the line – how long does it take a group to come together, and how does that happen? Because we see that there are many around the league that are not on the same page yet. Yeah, it's it's gotten tougher, Jamie. You know, really, with the limited reps in training, they lost a preseason game. You know, you can't you know you can't microwave your offensive linemen. You know, they've got to be in the slow cooker, and so it takes it takes time, it takes reps. But I really feel like it takes game reps. You know, you can practice all you want together and. Um, you know, walk through things and, and try to, you know, scheme things up from a scout team standpoint. But until you've gone to battle and you've played with guys and you've adjusted things on the fly and learned how to work, uh, you know, through a game and through some certain adjustments, you know, that, that, that's always the, um, you know, the litmus test for these offensive linemen. That chemistry is so big. It's so huge. Um, and, you know, you look at the teams every year that are in the playoffs, the teams that are in the Super Bowl, you know, two things. They usually have one of the healthiest O-lines, and they have the best unit, the best group. So um, it's definitely something that, that takes time. Um, I think it's the challenge is really on these O-line coaches who, who have those limited reps um, to help these guys improve. And, you know, it's also, you know, offenses have changed. You know, there's so much now at the line of scrimmage, and, you know, it's become such a passing league that you know a lot of these offenses are kind of abandoning abandoning the run you, know, you look at what Tampa's doing you know they right. basically have given up on the run game um so that that makes it tough as well what's your reaction to the giants trading away Kadarius Tony i know he's missed the past 5 games and was a first round draft pick yeah i mean i i'll be honest with you i was disappointed when i saw it you know because i i felt like there's so much potential for tony and, and especially in this offense um, you know, he's electric with the ball in his hands. And I think Mike Kafka's done a great job with Wondell Robinson coming back and finding ways to get him the ball and quick little throws, get him in space. They've run a couple of jet sweeps. Um, that was kind of going to be, you know, the way that Darius Tony was going to be used. And I think, you know, maybe drafting Wondell Robinson kind of put him on notice. And, um, you know, the fact that he's been, been hurt, you know, that's, it's tough. I, I think that that's probably been, it's not his skill and it's not his, impact as a player that really impacted this trade it was just you know we've got somebody similar in Wondell Robinson who we drafted um you know Wondell Robinson obviously was drafted by the previous regime with David Gettleman and so you know it's say if if they're able to get something for him now and you know um I feel like it was I don't think they were shopping him but they got an offer and it was like you know what we're, we're ready to move on so hopefully he can get a fresh start uh in Kansas City that's a heck of an offense to go to and you know I'm sure he's excited to to be there but uh, if you would have told me what position group could the, would could the Giants least afford to trade a guy, I would have said receiver. So I think we were all a little bit missed by that one. Listening to you answer that question, I'm thinking, who who is the number one wide receiver for the Giants? It, it seems like they've had a bit of a revolving door at that position and had a hard time keeping guys healthy at the receiver spot. Yeah, I think the first six games of the season, there was a different leading receiver every game. You know, Daniel Bellinger one week. It was, you know, Shepard one week when he had a couple big games. Then Darius Slayton burst onto the scene. Um, You know, Saquon has been a big part of it. Um, They just lost Daniel Bellinger um, to an eye injury as well, so that's a tough blow. They're down to just two tight ends now. Um, So, you know, I think that they're all hoping that Kenny Galladay can get healthy and provide some sort of production. 
Um, but really, Wondell Robinson, I feel like, has kind of been the go-to guy. David Sills uh, has been Mr. Consistent. Um, so, you know, who knows? They may not be done. You know, the trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday at 4 p.m., so, um, you know, they, they may not be done gathering some talent, but the tough thing for the Giants is they're just they're, they're up against the cap. And, they, you know, they only have money to buy a Big Mac right now. So, um, you know, it's kind of tough sledding for Joe Shane. Sean O'Hara is a former Giants offensive lineman and Super Bowl champion, and you can see him on NFL Network and really enjoyed uh, seeing you on the game day coverage. So 1 p.m. Eastern time uh, to kind of provide some insight as those games are going on. That's on NFL Network on Sundays. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. So Daniel Jones is still the big question, obviously, because he's in the final year of his rookie deal. And I can only imagine the number of times you get asked, Oh, so should they give him a new contract and what should they do with Daniel Jones? And maybe the jury's still out, Sean, but where are you uh, in that particular debate right now? Yeah. I'm, I mean, that, that's a tough one because I, I've always been a, a, a Daniel Jones fan. I, I look at what he did in his body of work down in Duke, um, you know, and very similar to what he's gone through with the Giants. He, he didn't have a lot of great linemen down in Duke and he was finding ways to, to, to win ball games and win bowl games. So, um, I feel like we're seeing the best version of Daniel Jones. This is the best he's looked really since his rookie year. Yes. You know, do you kind of throw away years, you know, two and three and and just say, all right, this is who he is. I think in this offense, he's going to continue to grow. Uh, you know, look, I mean, if he had a guy like Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, you know, I, I think we would be looking at his numbers in a different light. So, you know, I think all those things play a factor. But whenever you're going to sign a quarterback to a long-term deal, you know, the production is a part of it. It's a big part of it. I think the health is the other aspect of it. So he's got to prove that he can play all 17 games this year. And then really when you look at it, you know, what type of leader is he? Quarterback is unlike any other position. So if you're going to pay a guy, you know, 20 to 25% of your salary cap, like he better be a leader. He better be a guy that's you know, cares more about the team than himself. And I think those are all of the uh, intangibles that Daniel Jones has. Um, you know, when it comes to quarterback contracts, though, it's funny money. You know, it's like playing Monopoly. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of cringe when I see the amount of money some of these guys are making, not because I don't want them to, to make the bread, but it just it can handcuff you so much with regards to the rest of your roster. And, um, you know, it's, you, you're pay, if you're paying a guy $40 million a year and, you know, he gets hurt in one play and he's out for the year, that's a tough blow. It's tough to replace all that. So, Giants, yeah, I think it's a good problem to have. You know, if Daniel Jones is having a great year, Saquon's having a great year, I think those are problems that they, you know, they would relish to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know the tough thing is going to be wh- where does Daniel Jones market? Like, what does his market look like with other teams? Um, I, you know, I don't think the Giants want to get into any kind of bidding war, but um, I think it's maybe one of those things where, for him, it may be more valuable to to stay and and be in a system that. You know, he could finally be going into a second year of and and really feel confident and feel good in. You played with Eli Manning. I swear sometimes when I hear Daniel talk, I hear Eli. Uh, They seem to have similar personalities. What qualities of Eli do you see in Daniel? Yeah, they are clones. Um, (laughs) You know, I I feel like DJ, just like Eli, does a great job of of just, look, uh, I'm going to be consistent. You know, whether I threw four touchdowns or three picks, like you're going to get the same guy. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to be, um, you know, up and down on that emotional roller coaster. And, you know, I think that's what that's what teams want out of their leader. 
Um, you know, you don't want a guy that, you know, is going to say something and then everybody has to add, answer questions about later on. But I, I think Daniel is, is mentally tough, and, and I don't think he gets enough credit for, you know, you think about everything he's gone through the last two years. I mean, I'm sure he hears what has been said about him over the last couple of years. You know, fans turned on him pretty quick when they started losing games, and that's life as a quarterback for the New York Giants. Um, you know, you can ask Eli about that. He's gone through it as well. But I see, the, I see the same kind of competitive fire too. You know, Eli was—he was competitive, and you know, he never wanted to miss a game, never wanted to miss a play. Um, he always relished. Look, the whole point of football is to get the game in the fourth quarter and find a way to win. Um, you know, I used to tell Eli all the time, look, you don't have to throw two picks, you know, and and and, and have us rally back in the fourth quarter. Like we can win, try to put the game away early and not make it so dramatic, but. Um, I think Daniel, just like Eli, you know, people forget we won the division Eli's second year. His third year we went 8-8. Eight and eight. His fourth year we started out 0-2, and, and people are saying Eli's a bust. Um, and then we went on a run, and we won the Super Bowl that year. That was Eli's fourth year. People, you know, get it twisted. They didn't fall in love with Eli in years one, two, or three. <laughs> um, you know, they, they fell in love with him after he won the Super Bowl ring. So I just kind of keep that perspective out in front of Giants fans because, you know, this is DJ's fourth year, and we're kind of finally seeing – uh, all, all of the fruits of his labor over the last few years. I am such a huge fan of Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football, though they are very distracting. He might even be funnier than his older brother. Has Eli always been that funny? Always. Um, <laughs> he, he's always been, uh, you know, he's always been a chop buster. And I think that comes from having two older brothers that just, yes. you know, they took pride in making him cry and, and making fun of him and giving him atomic wedgies and, you know, now this is kind of his opportunity to get to pay back. You know, it's like, hey, you got me when I was in third or fourth grade, but now I get you on a national audience. He does not miss on any opportunities to make fun of no. Peyton. And whether it's a pit stain, whether it's the size of his forehead, um, whether it's his eating habits, you know, he he unleashes it. And, look, I think it's fun. I think it's that people like the Manning cast. I watch it too. Um, you know, it is tough sometimes as you're trying to watch the action of the game and you want to yes. kind of – hear about you know what happened what went into all that but you kind of get to see the game as the way that they see it which i think is cool for fans um and they do they make it fun you know they're not you know tooting each other's horns and you know they're they're teasing each other they're kind of you know making some fun banter but um that's the side of eli that anybody that's ever played with him in high school in college in the nfl level he was he's that guy in the locker room too and they have two totally different personalities you know peyton was one of those guys as a teammate where if you ran the wrong route, he was going to cuss you out and he was going to yell at you and you were going to hear it right away. Eli was kind of more the sly guy and he'd kind of say, hey, look, I'm trying to throw you touchdowns. Um, if you don't want them, I'll throw them to somebody else. But, you know, I'd like to throw them to you if you're going to, so just, you know, run the right route and I'll throw them to you. You know, they've just got different demeanors, um, but yet they still uh, found ways to win. Sean O'Hara is with NFL Network now as a former Pro Bowl offensive lineman, Super Bowl champion with the Giants as well, and, and Eli Manning, one of his former teammates. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Cussing out a reference that you just mentioned kind of popped something in my brain. I had a chance to talk with Kurt Warner last week about Tom Brady yelling at his offensive line, but he's a quarterback, right? So I'd love to get your perspective about that type of interaction on the sideline. Uh, how often does that happen? Well, I think, you know, on game day, you know, look, people get fired up. And, you know, I, I don't think anybody ever said, like, hey, you know, somebody's, you know, barking at you or trying to motivate you. It's, you know, I don't know what was said. I don't know what, the, you know, what led to, 
you know, Brady, you know, firing everybody up. But you know, sometimes guys say that because they're just they're trying to be the leader. I think the one people thing that people are, are missing with this whole Brady on his O-line, you know, that people are saying, well, he missed this and he doesn't practice and that. Like, forget about that. We're, like, we're talking about the Michael Jordan of the NFL. Like, Michael Jordan was very hard on his teammates. He would cuss them out of practice. He would yell at them. He was hard True. on them. You know, he, he would even fight with some of them because he wanted to win. Brady wants to win. He's like, look, I don't have to be here. I could have, you know, I could have, you know, been, you know, in Cabo right now, you know, with my feet in the sand. But I came back to win. Um, I need your best. So I don't have any issue with him, uh, yelling at those guys. And I think the other thing that people are forgetting is Bruce Arians is not there. Guess who was over, who would have been over there barking at the O-line? It would have uh-huh. been B.A. Yes. But he's not there now. And that's not Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is not the kind of guy that's going to go over and start yelling at the offense. Like he's a defensive guy. Um, Byron Leftwich is not that guy either. So somebody's got to light the fire. And without B.A. being there, I kind of feel like Brady has kind of had to had to grab that torch and say, you know what, i got to be the one to do it. Um, but I think people also forget, look, Brady is not above being yelled at as well. I mean, Bill Belichick used to, used to ride him in practice. He used to get on him in meetings. He used to call him out. B.A., you know, last year I remember people were saying, well, B.A. and Tom Brady not getting along because B.A., you know, he was, he was blunt. With, with Tom in the media and with, you know, how he talked about his performances at times. So I don't think anybody is over there saying, man, I can't believe Brady's yelling at us. Like, what's wrong with this guy? I think that it's all in the spirit of winning. Before I let you go, Sean, we've seen the NFC East go from being the least to an actual beast. Honestly, in your wildest dreams, did you ever think we'd see the first almost two months of the season produce three of the best teams in the NFL? No, no, I don't think anybody saw this coming. You know, I mean, the NFC East has been laughable. Um, you know, I think Philly, you know, with the roster that they've built and they clearly continue to build, um, they've been pretty impressive. You know, I, I don't think anybody expected them to be on the feet at this point, but um, they're, they're definitely at the top. I think Dallas, you know, losing Dak but still um, winning games the way they did was pretty impressive, and their defense, as everybody knew, was, was going to be, you know, a, a tough out, and they, they have proven to be just that. But... Certainly the Giants are, are the surprise uh, of the division and with where they're at. Uh, but I think it's great. It's great for football. Mm. It's great for the NFL. I mean, this is what it's all about. You know, last year it was the Bengals that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, for the NFC East now to kind of be that division that, that has flipped everything upside down is, is kind of fun. Yeah, some great rivalry, certainly some passionate fan bases, as you know well. So Sean O'Hara is an NFL Network analyst, won a Super Bowl, and was on the offensive line. And you can see Sean on NFL Game Day Live on Sundays at 1 o'clock Eastern time uh, as the games are unfolding on Twitter at SeanO'Hara60. It was so good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. All right, thanks, Amy. Appreciate it. Go Big Blue. What do I tell you about offensive linemen? They are the best talkers, uh, so smart usually, and because they're not supposed to be talking much uh, during the course of their careers, generally they have a lot to say after the fact. (laughs) Great stuff with Sean O'Hara, and not just about the NFC beast, but also about Tom Brady and about the situation in Tampa in light of them falling to three and five. I think some really insightful comments there. And then Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, Saquon Barkley, just good to talk about a team that's now 6-1. and one. And stop asking if the Giants are for real. Start asking why and what impact Brian Dayball on those New York Giants. 
We've actually got the Giants and the Seahawks as part of our Game of the Week poll. So find it on Twitter after our CBS. Or- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On our Facebook page, what is the After Hours Game of the Week? You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Here on After Hours, we like you as much as you like us. Hey, what's going on? I love the show. Thanks for having me on. Hey, enjoying your show, Amy. I'm normally not up to hear you, but you got a hell of a show. Thank you. Hi, Amy. I remember uh, talking with you when you very first started on CBS. You're such a superstar. Amy, thank you for taking my call. First time calling, listening to your show every morning as I travel into Boston. First time caller to any sports show ever, so you're <laughs> kind of taking my sports show virginity right now. Okay, but- well, that's not creepy at all. <laughs> This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. We told you one of our candidates for After Hours Game of the Week is the Giants on the road at the Seahawks. What? Both of those teams are, at this point, flying high... And also in unexpected positions. And I love it. I love the fact that the NFL never makes sense. Uh, and that very often, regardless of what point we are in the season, it throws us for a loop. And that's the NFC beast. It's the Giants at 6-1. and one, And they're on the road at the only team in the NFC West that is above 500. Yeah, right. Raise your hand because you knew it was going to be the Seahawks going into week eight who were alone in first place in a division that produced three playoff teams last year. And hint, hint, one of them was not Seattle. That's not really a hint. That's more just a reminder. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Inside the NFC West, the Rams and Niners have a very healthy and active rivalry. Right now, they're both at three wins. The Niners just pulled a move out of the Rams book. They just took a page out of Les Snead's book by trading four draft picks to the Falcons. Falcons, sorry. To the Panthers in exchange for Christian McCaffrey. 
maybe we should have put the the Panthers and the Falcons into our game of the week poll because that's a battle for first place coming up on Sunday. Shay <laughs> just rolled his eyes at me. It's true though. The winner of that game is in first place. I'm not going to fall for that trap. In the NFC South. Thanks, Tampa. Thanks. Look what you've done to us. Look what you've left us with. So we didn't go Tampa. We didn't go Atlanta, Carolina. We didn't go Tampa, Baltimore. We did go Rams, Niners. And the Rams last year brought in a bunch of transplants to help them win the Super Bowl. The Niners are now doing their best to kind of copycat that and to add weapons. And Christian McCaffrey is one of them. And he actually says, I got a chip on my shoulder because I was traded to a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. No, what he said was, I got a chip on my shoulder because I was traded. I understand this is a business, but anytime, you know, somebody gets rid of you or something happens, you know, it's take personally I'm so happy to be here but yeah absolutely absolutely I take it personally they actually thought that they could replace me they actually decided for draft picks unknown players that was better than having me on the roster good for you Christian who cares if the team was winning or losing fact is they didn't feel like I was worth keeping absolutely big old chip on his shoulder, the size of a Charlotte. As for Jimmy Garoppolo, he now had a week of practice to get used to Christian and what he can do when he's out there on the field. It's been good. It's been good. Uh, you know, trying to get as much time together as we can, just talking, trying to get on the same page. But uh, he sees the field very similar to a quarterback. Uh, I'll say, you know, he just has a good feel for space, uh, as all our backs do. I think all those guys do good on choices and things like that. But it's really just uh, when you can feel that zone and feel that space in there, it's, it's always a nice thing. The Rams offense is not anywhere uh, that it was at the end of last season. They're, they're really scuffling. The Allen Robinson piece just hasn't worked. They've had some injuries, the Cam Akers situation. Uh, they were actually in the running for Christian McCaffrey as well. Matthew Stafford's had extra pick sixes this year. It's just, it's very disjointed. Definitely missing Odell Beckham Jr., but that's not the only thing. And so the Rams are vulnerable. The Niners have seemingly had their number, though it doesn't make up for the NFC Championship, but can now they get the upper hand. Niners are the, are the team that I feel like have more available weapons on offense which makes it a challenge for the Rams D, Aaron Donald, of course, Bobby Wagner. How do you contain one Christian McCaffrey? They didn't show everything they could do with McCaffrey um, this last game, and so we're going to get different personnel with him. And so it's always fun. It's chess. So you sit there, watch film, and figure out what they're going to do. I don't love that we get both Rams-Niners games in the first two months of the season. So we got it in week number four where the Niners had no trouble holding the Rams at bay and putting 24 points on them. Um, and now we get the second game that takes place at SoFi and ugh, then we don't get it again uh, until they would meet in the playoffs. So I don't love the way some of the schedule has, you know, schedules have stacked up for different teams. Run it back! <laughs> Run it back! Like, for instance, the Colts have played all but one of their conference or their uh, division games already. 
already. We're through week seven, and they've already made a quarterback change and played all but one of their AFC South division games. Just odd. But at least we got Baker Mayfield and the Panthers against the Browns in week number one. At least we got Russell Wilson and the Broncos against the Seahawks in week number one. Both those quarterbacks are part of QB News as we set that up. Get- we really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You ready for week eight in the NFL? You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Hurry back to throw, and it is. Is it tossed? Oh my goodness, it's tossed. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. Tapping from under center, steps back, throws the fade. Cooper Cup's got it. Touchdown, LA. Burrow back to throw, looking, firing deep for Chase in the end zone. He's got it. Mahomes fires for the end zone, caught, touchdown, Kansas City. And off to Eckler again, no, Herbert keeps it, end zone, touchdown, Chargers. Herbert with his second of the day. Here's the snap, Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five, into the end zone, touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen, nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some. It's time for QB News on After Hours. We were going to be able to jam all this QB news and all your quarterbacks into one quick segment here before the top of the hour, as in bang, bang. But that's not going to happen because, well, it's football Friday morning and we want to spread the wealth. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I mean, there's a lot to get to some really intriguing storylines as we get deep into week eight this started off with the Ravens and the Buccaneers. And, man, initially, the Bucks were running the ball and stopping the run. But in the second half, the Ravens dominated the football. They dominated time of possession. They dominated the Tampa defense. And they rushed for 200-plus yards in the second half alone. On three touchdown drives, Lamar Jackson only passed the ball eight times. He was a perfect eight for eight on three touchdown drives. 
that should indicate to you how well they were running the ball and also keeping the ball away from Tom Brady. And it was another game in which they had to come back from double digits down or from multiple, yeah, multiple scores down. But they were able to do it methodically, and Lamar likes what the offense turned out Thursday night. I feel like we're very close. You know, um, we're right there, but... Still room for improvement. Um, and little mistakes we're still make, um, making out there. We, we, we changed those, and I feel like the sky's the limit for us. Meanwhile, for the Buccaneers, it's back to the drawing board. Uh, they scored that the, the 10 points on their first couple drives, uh, and their defense was great. A fourth down stop in the red zone. They also blocked a field goal on special teams. But then five empty possessions, five consecutive punts. And at that point, the Ravens had taken command of the game and put the Bucks back on their heels. So the offense for Tampa still is not able to put together three quarters or four quarters. I think we've struggled pretty much at everything. You know, we just struggled in the red area, struggled in third down, struggled in the run game, uh, two-point plays, um, short yardage. Backed up, start first quarter, start of the third quarter, not very good offense football. Yeah, that's pretty much everything, isn't it? Tom Brady's going to bear the brunt. He's used to that. He's a quarterback in this league for a long time. It's not all him, but he definitely missed a bunch of throws, and there were a couple times where I, I couldn't believe how long he held on to the ball. The Bucks were 5 of 14 on third and fourth down. They were 2 for 5 in the red zone. And, of course, Todd Bowles was asked about his quarterback following the loss. I got to look at the tape, but anytime we don't win a ball game, nobody plays well. You know, nobody plays well. Nobody plays well, but Tom Brady is the one who people think should retire or he's old all of a sudden. He looks like he's 55 and not 45. Mike Evans is his favorite target. They've looked out of sync at times this season. Evans had six catches for 123 yards, and he was asked about his quarterback. He's the best to ever do it. I mean, he hates losing. He, that's all he knows is winning, and uh, being 3-5 and five is not good enough, so we got to turn around. And, and soon. Is it fair for people to all be pointing a finger at him? Nobody's pointing a finger at Tom Brady. It's the whole team. It's a team game. The ultimate team game. It's not just one player. It never has been. Thank you, Mike Evans. I appreciate that. Because the idea that Brady's getting special treatment or that he's not working as hard as everybody else in that team or that somehow the team isn't responding to him, all of those things are so unfounded. But... It's true that the Bucks are three and five. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. In that same division, Baker Mayfield is Hello. healthy, but he's not playing. Instead, PJ Walker gets the start for Steve Wilkes and the Panthers against the Falcons this weekend. I mean, obviously, I want to play. I'm a competitor. We we all want to play. That's the nature of this business. That's the nature of playing sports. But uh, my role right now is to help us win in any way I, I can, and that's. Braxton helping out in the QB room and doing scout team stuff and, and uh, just trying to get under their skin on defense. It's just one of those things, one of those new things that you just have to roll with the punches. Uh, it's not it's not my plan, obviously. Like I said, uh, I'm a competitor, but rolling with the punches helped this team out in any way I can. I came here to win, and if my role is to help PJ out from the sideline and help this defense out and scout team stuff, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with everything I can. First time since the first three games of his rookie year with the Browns that he has not started when he's been healthy. So a 
different role for Baker Mayfield. But he's not alone. Jameis Winston has been benched by the New Orleans Saints, and Andy Dalton is now the starting quarterback. And this comes on the heels of Alvin Kamara delivering a speech to the locker room about how this offense has got to find its confidence again. For me, it's your preparation. Everything stays the same. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I've been playing the last several weeks and um, get another opportunity to play again. So, I mean, it's not like uh, anything changes for me. The years we've been good, it's been like a certain swag and a certain confidence, you know, about the offense. Like, even when we were down, it was never like it was never that like we were looking at the score. It was like, all right, well, let's go. Let's play football. It wasn't a score thing. It wasn't a, like what the other team was doing thing. It's like, let's go out, execute, and we're going to like the result. And I feel like, um, just honestly, I feel like we haven't really been playing like that. It's been like we kind of, it's just a, a little bit of a, a panic, a little bit of a like, oh, we down, like, and we don't play like that. I I, I still don't have that mentality. So, you know, um, I think I saw something about like somebody talking about like my body language like that. I'm just, you know, I'm always analyzing, always trying to stay 10 steps ahead in the game. So, you know, a, a blank look for me is not frustration. It's more so like, what can we do? What, what's next? What can we do to, to put ourselves in position to win or put ourselves in position to, to uh, sustain a drive? Or what can we do to eliminate the mistakes that have been going on? So that's really what my, my uh, temperament is, my demeanor is. It's never a frustration. The NFC South has become the soap opera of the NFL. It used to be the NFC East, but did you know the winner of Falcons-Panthers on Sunday will have first place in that division? Now, the Falcons could end up at 4-4, four and four, but the Panthers would be 3-5. and five. <laughs> But since they have the initial tiebreak against the Buccaneers, meanwhile, the Saints are 2-5, and five, but with a win, could also have the same record as the Buccaneers. Okay, that's a little bit crazy. Makes zero sense. The Vikings are coming off a bye week. They're sitting on top of the NFC North. They're the only team above 500 in that division. And Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense have got the Cardinals defense in their sights. This is an aggressive defense, and I think it's a defense that, um, uh, you know, you have to be aware of a lot of moving parts, you know, at, at all the different levels of defense. Um, I think they're smart players. I think they um, understand uh, their, you know, the importance of them trying to take the ball away, and um, they do a good job with uh, with uh, the way they execute the defense. It was a it was a um, you know good test against us last year as well, and I think they've uh, continued that uh, over all of last season and early into this season. Kirk Cousins isn't flashy. We all know that, but he is passing for 240 plus yards per game. Uh, and right now, the defense certainly doing its part for the Vikings, only giving up 19.7 points per game. So it may not be flashy, but it's steady. And they're five and one. And Cliff Kingsbury has got the unenviable position of figuring out how to game plan against Justin Jefferson and against Dalvin Cook and some of the other weapons for the Vikings. He's played at a really high level for a long time. Yeah, uh, Kirk When Cousins. I watch him, great decision maker, very accurate thrower, has played in a bunch of schemes and been successful in every one of them. So I think he's a really, really good player. And for that reason, you know, people want to give him a bad rap. Yeah, no one wants to rave about Kirk Cousins except for Cliff Kingsbury. Meanwhile, Kyler Murray knows that defense has got its hands full with Jefferson. Obviously saw him his last year at LSU, what he was doing. And then now in the league, I mean, he's obviously, he's one of the one of the best shooters in the game right now. Youngest, so he'll, I mean, he'll continue to be great, continue to do his thing. But we know the challenge we have is, you know, as a, as a unit, as a team. 
Yeah, that defense is going to have to be good until the offense for the Cardinals finds a rhythm. Not that different than a bunch of teams around the NFL, right? The Buccaneers being one of those. Um, at times, the Ravens being one of those, though they have the ability to run the ball and, and run it over pretty much any team out there. It's crazy. Offense is not what we expected through seven weeks. We'll see whether or not week eight shines a bright light on that side of the football. One hour to go. Good morning to you. It's After Hours CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.